Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, everybody. I'm John Cena, 16-time WWE champ, saying support Wrestle Talk because they talk about wrestling, and I like it. So do us all a favor and subscribe, please. And thank you. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I'm joined by Luke Owen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did you wait for that? Sorry. Hello, so I was just, you started talking and then I was like, I'm going to sneeze. I, d- I didn't know what you were doing. I thought you started laughing at no, something. No, I, or... I started to sneeze. It came right, as, ju- literally, as just as you finished introducing me yeah. as well. So apologize. Sneeze Nation. Sne- <laughs> sneeze Nation. Uh, how are you, Oliver Davis? How the heckins are you? Well, you know, we've just lost a listener in Vince McMahon because of that. <laughs> we yeah, know he listens say- to the show because he takes our ideas. Oh, well, come the uh, come Sunday at the Royal Rumble when yeah. he literally steals all the spots that you and I gave him. But only the only the bad ones. Yes. Yeah. Only the ones where we forget certain things, like uh, <laughs> how many people is the major elimination record at the moment? Yeah. How many eliminations has Roman Reigns actually had? Uh, I think he's had twelve. And what I must have done is gone. Okay, he's had twelve. So my Braun Strowman's got to get thirteen in my fancy booking. And then at some point I misread my own notes and thought, okay, the record's 13. Mm. So he's got to get 14. I'm I'm grateful it stopped there because Braun Strowman might have eliminated 45 people. And I think as well, according to some of the other comments, you forgot to eliminate Ty Dillinger. That's incorrect. So uh, this happens all the time in the Rumbles. If someone's taken out and they can't make their way to the match, they're counted as an elimination. So what happened there? Baron Corbin took him out in the entrance. That's round, right. Yeah. Stretch it out. Yeah. So maybe I didn't say stretch it out clearly enough. Mm. But that was to right tie out of the match. You know, technically, was it uh, Curtis Axel still in the Rumble? Yep. Maven still in the Rumble? No, no. Maven was eliminated. No, he was put through the the, the in between the top of uh, the first and second rope. No, I'm pretty sure. I no, mean, we've it, had this man. Have we've we had this in the YouTube sided with me? Oh, really? The YouTube, yeah. I, I remember it. In my head, the way I remember it is that Maven eliminates The Undertaker. Undertaker's annoyed. And then he just destroys Maven, 
rolls him back in, and then throws him over the top rope to eliminate him, and then continues the beatdown. I am. That's how I remember. I'm. I'm willing to admit that I'm wrong, yeah. but that's how I remember it. I'm ninety percent confident I'm right. <laughs> I mean, I would have been a hundred percent until you doubted me. Well, I mean, we have the WWE Network. We can always just go and check. Uh, so today is a special Wrestle Ramble episode. Because it was Raw 25 last night. Controversial Raw 25. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, we, we came, we nearly come to blows. I don't we? think we nearly oh, come to blows. Just, be- close to punching just because we slightly disagree on the revival segment. There's scales of disagree, though. There's uh, there's disagrees where we're both quite amicable about it, and maybe one of us will What were we about it? Amicable. Yeah, that's not what you said first time around. What did I say? Amicable. Amicable. <laughs> there's sometimes where we meet in the middle, and we're like... The answer truly is in the middle, yeah. like so many things. <laughs> but uh, other times, it is an almost race to see who can have the last, but I disagree with that. <laughs> and usually I let you have it. Thank you. Because you then have to move the rest of the show on. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm primely placed to do it as well, because then I can go, and the next segment, exactly. I just do it in one swell breath now just comes I out of me guarantee as well as that everyone will side with you on yeah. this but I, I i mean you know we'll we can get into it in the actual show i just don't i don't think you can say that the revival have been de-pushed here when they weren't being pushed to begin with you just can't let it go can you man? Well, I just, you just can't let it go my opinion is carefully curated to what i think people want to hear <laughs> but different enough to keep it interesting like your top 10 <laughs> your top 10 favorite wrestlers whereas you're actively trolling people oh, yeah, or yeah. an idiot <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do some i do find myself sometimes when i uh I, i'll post up like some thoughts about raw and be like oh you know i thought it was a fine show and then when i just get messages from people going like worst show of the year mm. this show is awful it does make me actively want to go like that was brilliant uh, yeah. Absolutely, it was a brilliant show. It's the contrarian in all of us. I I called my Raw review worst Raw twenty five ever. I thought this when I was driving to work. I thought this was a brilliant, hilarious title because it can mean so many different things. It is both a statement and utterly worthless at the same time. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was a good out. But uh, a lot of people like actually one comment was, uh, "Has there been another Raw twenty five? I'm not sure they were being." Sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. It's hard yeah. to tell sometimes. Uh, so, some some reviews, and then we'll get into the show, but you'll want to stick around for the outro, because I'm going to talk about my trip to Hogwarts. I went to Harry Potter. I want to keep calling it the Harry Potter experience. I think it's the Harry Potter Studio Tour. It's Yeah, well, we... The Harry, yeah, Harry Potter Experience Studio Tour, Warner Brothers... It's, it seems to have quite a few names. Yeah. My mum called it uh, completely wrong. She has this really annoying tendency to get things slightly incorrect mm. so she calls one direction first direction yep and uh the the clothes store matalan she calls matterland i uh, knew someone who used to call it matterland and they worked there yeah maybe they were just joking maybe i don't think they were they weren't maybe she called it harry potter land she keeps calling me hubby yeah well that's uh that's something else entirely so some podcast reviews first off i love crap gimmicks that's the name of the account that's written this review, writes, Fantastic podcast. This podcast is just amazing. My favourite podcast to listen to. Thank you so much. Thank you, crap gimmicks. And stars can scream. Wow. 
But, that, but who would hear them? That because sound is, doesn't travel in space. That is a metal album name. Is if it? ever I heard one. Oh, okay. Uh, easily my favourite podcast. I can just listen to Ollie and Luke ramble on for hours. I was hesitant to download iTunes on PC, sticking with their YouTube rambles, but I needed more rambling. It's just so entertaining. Damn it, Luke. We're cannibalising our YouTube I audience. I right. Because the podcast is so good. But we need to clap them. Stars can scream. Stars can scream. I do wonder if that's a, uh, a reference to Star Scream, the, uh, uh, the, the right-hand man of Megatron. Well, let's get on with the show. The Undertaker. He came out in front of the Manhattan Center uh, in the Hammerstein Ballroom, which for a moment... Not the I, Hammerstein Ballroom, the Manhattan Center. No, the Manhattan Center. No, 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 no. You're doing the same thing I thought. The Hammerstein Ballroom is within the Manhattan Center. Oh, I see. Yeah, so I was very confused for a long period of time. <laughs> I thought it was two different locations up until now. I always thought it was not two so. different locations no, as well. No, no. Well, well. So I'm sure a lot of Every people... Every day is a school day. You're not real wrestling fans. <laughs> You didn't know arguably the most famous venue in uh, modern wrestling history. That's not true at all, is it? Because that's Madison Square Garden. Yeah, well, okay, it's up there, it's up there. And the, Georgia, so, and the Georgia anyway, Dome. Anyway, Undertaker. I said modern wrestling history. Uh, Undertaker. He came out in front of wherever <laughs> the old school stuff was. Uh, not with the smoke and not with the lights and not with his Undertaker hat on, mm-hmm. because he did the sexy striptease to take that all off at WrestleMania 33. And he walked out and he cut a promo mm-hmm. in front of the live crowd, who were all very excited to see him. They were like, holy S-word was the big chant. But then, like, at the end of it, everyone was kind of, okay, what was what was that? So my reading of mm. this, and you and I kind of disagree on this slightly, my reading of this felt like a retirement speech. This felt like a guy who came out and said, like, I've been taking souls for 25 yes. years. I've been digging holes for legends like Ric Flair. And he cut, like, his big, long spiel about all the stuff that he's accomplished. And then, more or less at the end of it, was just like, and that's it. Mm. Because... The long rumour, and particularly like we talked about this last week, that it was, quote, all but confirmed that at WrestleMania it was going to be Undertaker versus John Cena, and you'd have thought they were going to use Raw 25 to set that up. And yet here we are, Raw 25, and they were both in different locations, mm. and Cena seemed to be setting up a programme with Elias rather than, uh, rather than The Undertaker. So to me, this very much felt like a... Hey guys, I'm here because it's Raw's 25th uh, anniversary show. I was on Raw 1. I was on the first episode of Raw here in the Manhattan Center. And I'm going to ring out my career, my last uh, put my last appearance in front of a WWE crowd at the Manhattan Center. It's it's interesting that you bring up the whole John Cena thing. Because that that's been the long reported thing for about a month now. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has been reporting that. And so have like those little Twitter accounts like WrestleVotes who seem to have some form of inside source and when this happened because it was in the first hour that the undertaker's big return happened and the promo i figured oh okay they've left it really vague so it could go either way and then for a big surprise because the undertaker's already made his return at a different venue he's going to appear in the last segment and take out john cena that's your hot go home angle for the rumble enters himself into the rumble maybe as number 30 what a great piece of fantasy booking that would be <laughs> but that didn't happen either 
Uh, the, the last line, uh, so this was Undertaker's promo sign-off after talking about his career and Raw. For all of those who have fallen, it is truly time you rest in peace. And then Jim Ross sort of played that up like, is that is he teasing something? Yeah, he said that that sounds like a challenge, or yeah. like those are you know it's, he said something along those lines, which I then was a bit surprised at because I mean I'll be honest, Jr. and um, Jerry were all over the show. Neither watch neither watched the product, neither really knew who or the storylines going in and stuff. But um, yeah, the, to me, I mean, yeah, it, they played it up like it wasn't, but mm. the content of the promo suggested otherwise i i don't know i think that last line it is truly time you rest in peace for all those who have fallen it's like i'm gonna avenge all of those people i've slain slain to slain mm. slain yeah slain i've gone with yep to to finally have one last victory at wrestlemania i don't think it's as conclusive as you say and Meltzer has said since that uh it's something's going to happen in the next few weeks to set up. Take oh, really? Oh, OK. Yeah, so that's still the plan. Because if this was Taker's proper retirement promo, because all he did after WrestleMania was the sexy striptease, then it's not conclusive enough. It's not like if it was a retirement promo, I felt like he would have said more stuff definitively about retirement well yeah i mean i'll be honest with this undertaker promo is very much in that in the, the bray wyatt matt hardy vein at the moment where it's like mm. stuff was said and it was delivered well but it was just stuff and it didn't really like nothing of it really resonated nothing made you excited to see the undertaker come back i, I mean to be honest i feel like i'm kind of over it now like the Undertaker, uh, last year's WrestleMania felt like that was the Undertaker's retirement. He did the sexy striptease. He left the the jacket and the and the hat in the ring. Broke character by kissing Michelle McCall at ringside, and then sunk into the stage. And I was mm. like, cool. So that's it. That's the Undertaker retired. I'm very. I mean, it was a terrible match to go out on, but at the same time, the Undertaker is retired. He's had a, an amazing career, and he got to headline WrestleMania one last time. So then, when he sort of came back here, I was like. Well, that's kind of sort of rendered that quite pointless. And if he just has another WrestleMania match now, then what was the ending of that WrestleMania all about? Mm. Like, it, make up your mind: are you retiring or you're not? Don't just—you can't keep doing a Ric Flair where you just like, or a Terry Funk is actually a better example. Where it's like, this is my retirement match, and then three months later, being like, oh, by the way, I'm I'm back now. The Wrestle Ramble will be right back after these short messages. This episode of Wrestle Ramble is brought to you in part by Patreon. For just $5 a month, you'll get access to the exclusive Wrestle Ramble Extra, where Ollie and I review classic pay-per-views from the past. This month, Patreon backers will get our review of Wrestle Kingdom 10, which featured an all-time classic between Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles. And if you help us reach our next Patreon goal, we'll be able to live stream episodes of Wrestle Ramble on YouTube, as well as new perks like NXT and Ring of Honor reviews. So head over to patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk for more information and support WrestleTalk. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Haha, <laughs> it's a Raw review looking jacked, man! So the Raw episode itself kicked off with uh, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler in a fantastically recreated set in the... Manhattan Center Hamstein Ballroom. I would say Manhattan Center. That's what they called it. That's what they called it, yeah. Uh, even with the Ico Pro banner. Yep. The the failed sports supplement drink. That's what it was, wasn't it? Sort if, of a if memory sir. Yeah, I can't yeah. I can't fully remember. But like uh, people who were there at the arena um were tweeting about it because I I basically I as soon as I saw people heading into the uh, into the Manhattan Center, I was like, right, I'm jumping off Twitter now mm. because I, I want to be surprised when I watch this the following day. And the the tweets that I did see before I kind of I jumped off social media were people going like, "This is like stepping into a time warp." Like I really feel like I've been transported back to 1993. Uh, it was a really like faithful recreation. I'd be interested to know if they did anything to the cameras as well. I mean, it was still shot 16 by nine, but the colours look so vibrant and reminiscent of the old style. Uh, and the light, I, mean, I guess it's all lighting and set yeah. design, but it, it did, it rip, hats off to them and seeing Jerry the, the King Lawler and full King Regalia yep. and Jim Ross, and like with really the, nice. With the actual font as well, with yeah. like the 93 raw fonts uh, to show their names, I thought that was a really nice touch. Really good stuff. Yeah. Then it, they threw over to the Barclays Centre Yeah. with Stephanie McMahon and Shane McMahon in the ring. You had the modern day... Uh, more inferior announcers, I guess. But Corey Graves was the best thing on the show, yep. announcing wise. Uh, usually, mm. like that. I mean, that that's pretty much standard these days. Uh, and Shane, they were all in tuxedos. Yes. Well, I of course, it's this. a big event. It's a big event. And Shane gets his cheap pop in, and they do a video of Raw's best moments, like a four-minute highlight reel. Oh, I've got to be honest, right? People say that I'm very negative on WWE. Mm. People say that that you and I are very negative on wrestling, and we just we make a, a, our bucks just constantly criticizing the product and things like that. And perhaps I have become very cynical in my old age. I don't really think I ever quite enjoy the product at the moment. But um, this video package, I think, and I kind of looked at it. And I was like looking at the the crowd at the Barclays Center and the people that were in the Manhattan Center, and I was like, these wrestling fans have all just come together mm. to kind of celebrate this thing. This video package almost brought a tear to my eye. 
because I was like, what a wonderful time yeah. we have all had with this company. And this company has brought us together. We have an amazing wrestling, you know, a comments community um, for uh, on the Wrestle Ramble and Wrestle Talk News episodes. Really did bring a bit of a tear to my cynical eye. Yeah, it was really nice, especially with the yeah with the the big nostalgia fan service with the Manhattan Center. Yeah, uh, really good stuff. Of course, CM Punk was in there. He said it was. He was in the pipe bomb. Yeah, he said throw the pipe bomb, and they showed a picture of him doing the pipe mm. bomb promo later, which pretty much confirms. He's returned. Oh yeah, well obviously, yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's exactly what I thought. I was waiting for him to come right down at the end of the show and attack Brock Lesnar. And Shane and Stephanie said, "Well, really, there's one person we have to thank for all of this, apart from all the you know backstage people and you, the fans, and it's Vince McMahon." And Vince McMahon came out and he he was playing the humble act. He said, "I'm not one to pat myself on the back," so you know, and he goes to leave. I loved the crowd singing "No Chance." Yeah, that was so great because everyone was there to have fun. Yeah, I was like, I was so excited. It felt like, like, like a genuinely fun wrestling show, which yeah. sort of like with house show elements, at least at the start, and then I think the act got old. But we will get onto that. Uh, so, but Vince McMahon goes to leave, and Stephanie's like, "Wait there, Dad, we have a uh, a present for you." And it's a plaque. Funded by GoFundMe. Yeah. But Very there, nice touch. There wasn't much. No. There wasn't many donations, <laughs> so it's not amazing. And that just, what a lovely, cheesy, beautiful way to transition from Vince McMahon into Mr. McMahon. It was all in one line as well. It's mm. like, looks very cheap. I mean, we are in Brooklyn, so that yeah. doesn't come as a surprise. I was like, oh, that's so good. It's so brilliant. And I, was like, I wish more heels were like this, where all the crowd are like, Boo! Like big smiles on their faces. Hate it, but it was just love to hate someone. Mm, this was awesome. Chanting asshole. Yep. Great stuff. And it just brought back for a moment like Vince was Mr. McMahon again. And yeah. he hasn't really captured that in, in recent years. It was just so fun. That was and, and this like this segment for me was the by far the best thing on the entire show. Yep, yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I, I I was I was prepared. I thought, God. If they've if they're hitting this tone now, this could be an in or episode. Mm. I was fully set up for this to be five out of five, uh, but yeah, they um, Vince McMahon starts ragging on everyone, and he says, "There's no one else to thank but me." Glass shatters. It was just I, what I loved about this is that everyone knew it was coming because you had Vince McMahon in the ring, you had Shane McMahon in the ring, and everyone's like, and Vince McMahon's being his Mister McMahon dickish mm. self. So the entire crowd all of a sudden were like. Okay, cool. So we're, we're going to wait for the glass to shatter, and it just built this real like this 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 wave amongst people yeah. waiting for it. And as soon as that glass shattered, the pop was incredible, and out comes Austin, looking great. Looks like he hasn't aged a day because it's quite easy when you shave your head and you just have a goatee. Um, and it, oh, it just it was so great. Mm. And then uh, <laughs> Vince essentially cut this promo. Stephanie got out of dodge because she's not taking a stunner. Well, I mean, she can't get. She her. should do. She's not getting her come up and taken. It's not WrestleMania yet. She she was she was quite annoying here. Did you hear? She kept on putting in her little improvised off count, like uh, yeah. sort of buttoning on the back of yeah, people's yeah. lines, and none of them were funny enough to warrant nope. her doing it. And they no. were all quite annoying, I thought. But you know, we've got to wait till WrestleMania for her to get mm. her come up. And so, um, so essentially, Vince cut this promo, being like, "Hey, look, Steve, times have changed. You know, I'm not. That was 20 years ago. I'm an, I'm a senior citizen now." I've got arthritis. My bones are brittle. What? <laughs> the crowd were like, he was saying all this stuff. And then perfectly, he's just like, Shane, on the other hand, <laughs> is in the prime of his life. Look at Shane. And Shane's reaction, not the greatest actor in the world, 
but Shane's reaction of just like what what mm. it was so great I, I loved all of this segment and actually just seeing Vince and Shane and Austin in the ring look like 1998 mm. all over again I loved all this just with a few more wrinkles yeah uh, yeah, I mean, I even, I even liked the what chance. Yeah. But like, that's how happy I was for this segment. And of course, uh, Stone Cold gives Shane a stunner. Shane doesn't sell it very well. Gets some beer skis in and he's sharing them with Vince. Nice little touch as well, because like Vince is holding the beer and Austin knocks it so that it spills up onto yeah. his nice jacket. <laughs> and Vince's reaction to it was really great. And Vince goes to leave. There was a bit of a weird bit, like... Did the music stop before? Well, I think what it was is that, so Vince was going to leave, and then as soon as the music stops, Mm. Vince in character was like, oh, so this is where I get the stunner then. And and, and turned around a bit, and it was like a, oh, they've stopped the music for a reason. Turned around, stunner to Vince McMahon, Another, actually that was the other thing as well is when he hit the stunner on Shane the crowd started chatting one more time yeah. and Vince in a wonderful ad-lib line just went I don't think Shane can take another stunner um, and then he, he stuns Vince McMahon gets some more beers shares one with Shane so they can do the beer spit stunner as well that everyone loves mm. I thought this was a wonderful opening segment it was so so good it was just great fan service and even though it was throwaway nostalgia like it didn't build any new things some of these you know you should have these moments on the Raw 25th anniversary, and none were better. I, I couldn't have come up with something better. Myself. This, I mean, yes, simple the thing. and perfect. Well, that's it. This is perfect. an <laughs> perfect. This is stuff bad. This mm. is this was a nostalgia show. Like this is everything that I expected from the show was like bringing back old stars to do mad cameos. It was bringing people out to do in-ring segments that we've sort of all like we've seen before, but we have very nostalgic feelings for. This is exactly what I expected of the show. This is why they should have done this show two weeks ago. Mm. They shouldn't have done this the week before the Royal Rumble because what really suffered in this in this show was because it was in this a nostalgia show where not a lot was kind of forwarded. You the Royal Rumble played second fiddle. I uh, I don't know about that. I think there was a way to do it all in one big massive thing because you think Raw 25, it's going to do huge ratings. Uh, I, I imagine, you know, Raw after Mania levels it had so much promotion going into it very wisely on the go home show. So you have like, you would have a segment like this and then you should have like an equally compelling go home angle into your biggest pay-per-view, one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. That's the they whole point. Dead next. Sorry? They sort of did next. But it wasn't brilliant. Like this is something you do three weeks out from the pay per view. Oh, I thought it was. I thought this was the right time to do it. Uh, so, like, you could either have your go home and sales pitch drive for the WWE Network or pay per view when as as a normal go home show, or you could have it when the most eyes are on the product to kick off the road to WrestleMania. I think it's the right idea to put the 25th anniversary show on the go home show. But just make it better. Just, just oh, do well, it better. Oh, well, absolutely, yeah. Just do it better. It's our WWE yeah. mantra. Um, I would be very interested to see the quarter hour ratings mm. for this show because I wonder, you're right that they've done a lot of promotion for this, including, you know, it's the return of Steve Austin and all this sort of gubbins. I wonder if we're going to find the those lapsed fans, those mysterious, like, six or nine million fans that we used to have 20 years ago, wherever they've gone, whether some of those were going to tune into this show to kind of relive the nostalgia mm. and see Vincent and Austin go at it one more time, who will then turn off after that's done and to be like, yeah. well, I've got what I came to see. I'm going to go watch the uh, the NBA or something now. I don't know if the NBA is on at the moment. I felt there was nothing in it to hook 
return those those lapsed fans into no, the current as, continuity. Especially as you said as well, the Undertaker was in the first hour, <laughs> so it's not even like you dragged out the Undertaker's return. The Undertaker came back, and then that was all done in the first hour. And he didn't do anything. And he didn't do anything. Uh, next up, we had the women's division. All in one little segment here, apart from the champions later. Asuka, Mickey James, Sasha Banks and Bailey beat Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Nia Jax and Alicia Fox. Asuka looked awesome in this match. Asuka looked good, but I thought it was a bit of a throwaway, just chuck everyone in there. Oh, this, totally which yeah. is the sign of the whole show, really. Mm-hmm. Just chuck everyone in there. Uh, Meltzer had a really good line in his review. He said, it was overbooked on guests <laughs> and underbooked on wrestling. Yeah, that make, yeah I could agree yeah. with that, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, the commentators started putting over Nia Jax, like the big, sh- getting, giving her the big show treatment. How are you gonna eliminate <laughs> Nia Jax? Yeah, look at the size of her. Well, this is the thing. When Michael Cole said that, I did kind of give it a, one of those like, oh god, Michael Cole, you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Like, I know you're doing it in like it's a WWE thing, but it it doesn't cre- lend you any credibility. And then Corey Graves was like. You know, just being big doesn't always help you. Look mm. at the big show. Big shows. And then Michael Cole was like, yeah, you're right. You know, big shows never won a Royal Rumble. And you'd think that someone like him would. And, and I was like, oh, God, Michael Cole, fight. Where's, where have you been? That's yeah. actually a little bit of credible commentary from you. But this match, um, and it's, I've been thinking about it for like a week or so now. Mm. Asuka's not winning the Rumble. And I don't think Nia Jax is either. Hmm. Uh, and the reason for that is because those are the picks that the commentators have given. Yeah. And Nia Jax stood tall here. And yeah, Corey Graves has been harping on that Nia Jax, uh, that Asuka's going to win. And I suddenly I thought of it a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh, that means Asuka's not winning then. Or maybe, you know, they're actually giving someone a proper push for once. <laughs> or maybe. Where all the different components get behind one person. Well, maybe. But I, I got the feeling at the end of this... That Ronda Rousey's winning. The, yeah, maybe Ronda Rousey's winning. I don't think Asuka's winning. Uh, or, or Alicia Fox, because she took the pin here. Or the cat, <laughs> yeah, that's so, what you know, she did. Gotta build her up. I mean, that Northern Light suplex. Be- thing of beauty. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, the... Oh, the other thing was Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. I think this absolution thing's over now. They were yeah. meant to be this rogue faction, and now they're teaming with other heels that they had previously gone against. That I didn't like that, but no. they've been put in a bad situation with Paige. But the post-match angle was, was pretty cool, where Asuka just threw over her own teammates over the top rope. Yeah, I loved this as well. Because, I mean, it made... Um, ba- uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks look like complete doofuses because Asuka pushed Mickey James out of the ring and then they stood like, what do you do that for? It's like a Royal Rumble. And then threw Bailey out and then threw um, Sasha Banks out or it might be the other way around. But yeah, I, I thought this was a, a really great set. And I thought Asuka looked absolutely awesome in the match and I think she looked awesome in the post-show. Mm. Yeah, so... And, so far, and she was the most over-person in the whole match. So far in the show, really good opening segment. Meh match, but you know... It's a packed show. We can forgive them for that. Good post angle. Okay, okay, we're, we're cooking. And then we have backstage nostalgia uh, skit number one. Kurt Angle's back there. Jonathan Coachman comes out. Uh, well, comes into the yep. room. Uh, Brother Love, Teddy Long, the Brooklyn Brawler, and Boogeyman, the sort of haunt coachman. This was fun throwaway stuff also. Fun throwaway stuff. Um, I'm going to put my bold prediction out there. Mm. Um, I told you earlier and I put out on social media. I think that WWE are going to do a deal with Bruce Pritchard and something to wrestle, and they're going to do exclusive podcasts on the network. And that's when your fan base are going to desert you, Bruce. We're coming for you, Pritchard. Uh, next up, we had the aforementioned Undertaker promo. This this was the first bit of the show where I was like, huh. It's the first thing the Manhattan Center got as well. Yeah, so it was like the first crack, I felt. I was like, oh, that was the, the momentum's off now. Like, uh, okay. And uh, then, but then it went back to the 
the Barclays Centre, and we got an APA protection poker game skip backstage playing against Heath Slater and Rhino. Yeah. That was fine. It was JBL getting to do JBL yeah. stuff. Uh, so I like that. Although I would have, you know, chosen someone other than Slater and Rhino. Well, no, I think it works great for Slater and Rhino because he's got kids, man. He needs yeah. that money. So it was perfect to put him into this poker position, especially, well, I was about to say, especially with the payoff you got at the end. I'm not saying the payoff was particularly mm. great, but I, th- I think that Slater and Rhino were the, the perfect people to put in here. And then you got the, the the million dollar man walk in because he's got all the money you see. Yeah, that that was a that was a nice. You know, when like some cameos, you're like. That's clever. Yeah. Like your honky tonk man number three entry in the Thank Rumble. Thank you very much. Uh, I was like, that's a good one. And the same with DBRC here. I'm just saying, in a show that's already very packed and it's the go home Royal Rumble show, do you have Rhino and Heath Slater who aren't going to do anything? Or do you use this APA skip, which is going to run throughout the entire night and then in a, end in a match? Do you have that to build up a, a larger feud or some stars? You know, I would have loved to have seen the bar in there way more than I would have. Uh, not, not to slag on Rhino and Heath Slater, but they're so far down the card you've got to i think pick these spots wisely yeah no i completely agree with you but like the the point of this show wasn't <laughs> apart from the elias cena thing wasn't really to kind of further storylines yeah. or or build new stars or anything like that it was a nostalgia show it was we want to you wanted these guys mm. back for this one show and and here they are in all of their wackiness yeah, problem is I disagree with that. I'm, I'm not saying... I, I I'm, think that was the wrong move. I'm not saying that's no. right. I'm just saying that, that, <laughs> that was that's their rationale. Next up, we have more nostalgia. So this is when I was like, oh, like, ah, it's, it is just a nostalgia show. And I'm, I'm getting a bit... It's a bit sickly sweet. Although this did have an element of greatness in. It was raw authority figures from the past. John Laurinaitis in a red suit. I'm a huge John Laurinaitis fan. Honestly, not even... so. I thought he was great... I love his voice. He's People CM power. Punk. Yeah, he's CM Punk feud. I thought that could have been something special. Excuse my throat there. William Regal comes out. Eric oh, Bischoff. Chilly Willie Regal. Mm-hmm. Love William Regal. And then finally Daniel Bryan. Uh, and you're like, oh, this is good. And Bryan was doing the yes. And then Miz came out. And they had a real tense stare down. And man, that was a bit like, huh, Bryan, eh? In ring return, eh? You were <laughs> Royal Rumble betting odds, eh? Yeah, well, yeah, there is all that, I suppose. But yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I don't really want to join in on the speculation of whether Daniel Bryan is going mm. to to be a part of the Rumble or if Daniel Bryan's going to have an in ring return. I just, uh, I thought that it was a nice character moment from their very, very good SmackDown feud, which is really responsible for putting Miz where he is now. I think because he was. You know, he was off the boil for a few years, mm-hmm. and it was that SmackDown Live brand split run that really put him back yeah. at the top. Well, and not just that, but it was Talking Smack in particular. Yes. That's what really cemented the Miz mm. back in that very much that upper mid card role that he's very suited to. So that was a very good moment. But this uh, built into the most promoted match of the night, which uh, and lo- leading up to this night, which was the Miz versus Roman Reigns for the Intercontinental Championship. So this is the start of our two. Mm-hmm. We're we're only a third of the way into the show and we've already had Undertaker and now we're having the big title match. And I was just like, wow, what's so... You're blowing through the stuff quite quickly. And Stone Cold was at the top. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, who else is left? You've got the, the Royal Rumble, go uh, like the three-way go-home angle with Brock Lesnar, which I'm not particularly interested in. And DX. And then I thought... Triple H thinks DX is bigger than it is. They're the architects of the Mm. Attitude Era, Ollie. They're the ones. They started the war and they finished it. I really. It's amazing because the WWE network exists. People can go back and see that DX 
really didn't have that as much of an impact as they kind of claim that they do. When it was Sean and Triple H, they were a very good act. You know, Sean was he was in that world championship role, and they were a very solid act. But like the other faction of trip of of DX, when you had the road, uh, when you had New Age Outlaws, and you had X Pac in there, when you actually clock back, they didn't have a massive lengthy run. Mm. Like they treat them like they're the four horsemen of WWE, where they were together for twenty years, when actually they were together for probably less than a year. Mm. Um, and I don't think they had the impact that they think they did. It's revised history. Oh, it's no revised no history. one's going to go back and watch. Well, very few people are going to go back yeah. and check WWE's uh, version of events. So The Miz and Roman Reigns, I think they've got very good chemistry yeah. in the ring together. Good they match. always have a good match. They've always got... They're quite inventive with their spots. Although it's you know it's always the same Reigns match. It's always the same Miz match. But they find enough ways to riff on that where I'm never bored. And I always like them together. Uh, and it was some Miztourage shenanigans and an exposed second turnbuckle, which I didn't see until the replay. So I was like, neither did Corey Graves. Yeah, yeah. So that the, was good. The referee, man alive! Like when he threw out, um, he uh, he slays it. When he threw out the Miztourage from the outside, how many geeks are on Raw? When he threw out the Miztourage, go back and watch it. He like dances across the ring to throw them out with like this really big like like hand gestures to be like you're out of here it was wonderful refereeing he's gonna get future endeavored soon can't get over (laughs) referee there's only so many pops an audience has yeah but uh, this was a you know absolutely right i thought this was a fun match they always do Mm. have really good matches and yeah it was an exposed turnbuckle into a skull crushing finale and miz is your new intercontinental champion what was the point of putting the belt on roman apart from a a bit miz had a film to make but well and he's a grand slam champion when he wins the universal title could have done that later like mm. I'm, I, I get that they wanted to do it as quickly as possible but I'd have rather they just kept the belt on Roman uh, up and I really wish that they'd have kept the belt on Roman until Wrestlemania was that one of your 2018 predictions I that it would be Intercontinental Champ versus Universal Champ no it wasn't that was one of my uh, predictions it wasn't one of my bold predictions though. right uh, so yeah eight time world champ uh, world champion Intercontinental he, he champion Miz and I just uh I think this is great for everyone. Like, Roman Reigns wasn't doing anything with the belt. It felt weird on him. Miz is just... I associate the Intercontinental title belt with Miz now. Mm -hmm. Much like... Not to the extent of Shawn Michaels, Honky Tonk Man, and all those people. But, like, the modern-day version, I think he's... He really is synonymous with it. And it just makes the mid-card scene more intriguing. Because only a certain calibre, in WWE's eyes, of wrestlers can feud with Roman... Whereas Miz opens it up to a lot more and Roman can go up to the main event. Shuffles things around quite nicely. Do you think then that this kind of opens it up for Roman to win the Rumble? Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> uh, so after this, we had the continuation of the APA poker game. Now joined by Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy, randomly there. Just, uh, there's Jeff. I don't think he was even playing. <laughs> It was just, I'm Jeff Hardy. I'm Jeff Hardy here. Yeah. What about my dog? Like, he was just there. Like, Christian and the Dudley boys were there. Like, Well, you had to, you had to save Christian for that uh, killer segment mm. you had later on, mate. And also, in a blink and you'll miss him, I didn't spot him for a while. Uh, MVP. I didn't see it was MVP either. I wrote down Jeff Hardy and I couldn't make out who it was. Mm. And there was only until, like, I was, it was only when he did the basketball thing, I was like, yeah. oh, it's MVP. Uh, so, speaking of that Christian segment, we had Peep Show up next, Christian's Peep Show. And Christian got a little time on the mic at the start. He was like, you know, I, 
what what up is it what up peeps what does he say yeah he's talking about people he's like there's yeah. some peeps around here they mentioned on commentary that edge couldn't be here and uh, he mm. got a really nice video package later yeah. on as well i think they, this segment would have been better if you had edge there as well oh, because you'd, you'd have done things like the five second pose and all of that sort of gubbins as well so i think that was a that's a bit of a shame but christian was there and, and he brought out um I mean, honestly, we brought out Seth Rollins and the star of the show, Jason Jordan. Yes, most over guy on the most over current guy on the show. Jason Jordan was fantastic in this segment, just working the crowd like an absolute pro. He was just wonderful. Hats off to the crowd as well. Takes two to tango. Yep. They gave him not at the level of, but Raw after Mania, Roman levels of heat. Well, they wouldn't let him speak. Yeah. And but because. Jordan would would hold back enough, but then like no 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 you, everyone cheer my dad. Yes. Oh, we should we should all stand up and yeah. cheer him. Oh, this was really really great stuff. And then the bar came out, the bar who got big cheers, which is you know it's such a, a weird dynamic that I'm personally very into, but I get why people wouldn't, and it doesn't it doesn't work on paper. I think it's working in practice though. You've got this heel team who were like out and out heels, and then you've got a baby face in Rollins. And the heel in Jordan, who's playing a baby face. What, what a crazy thing to do, but I'm I'm really enjoying it. And the bar have a little brawl after insulting Jordan. And Rollins knees Jordan in the face. Certainly does. And <laughs> Booker T blamed Jason Jordan. Yeah. It was inc- really hates him. It was incredible because Seth Rollins jumps off and knees him in the face. And then Booker T is just like, it's all Jordan's fault. And Cole and Corey goes like, how was that Jordan's mm. fault? Uh, I mean, to Booker T's credit, he was saying that, I mean, Jordan started the fight. Yeah. And he shouldn't have started the fight. Uh, so close, Booker, sometimes. <laughs> yes. Like with the MMA thing. Well, I, I mean, there was someone, I, I can't remember who it was now. It might have been Matthew of Botchamania posted up on Twitter that Corey Graves and Michael Cole now, their whole shtick is just to jump on Booker T whenever mm. he says something. So actually, sometimes Booker T says quite relevant things, but you've just got Michael Cole and Corey Graves just eking and just waiting to pounce and be like no you idiot no you idiot you said something stupid you didn't say that last week oh you're an idiot you're a stupid head aren't you such a stupid head stupid head stupid head book a head let's get another t-shirt next up we had a backstage segment of Alexa Bliss doing an interview but uh, then uh, the the, she's so tall (laughs) I'm trying to think of a good tool joke. Charlotte interrupts and towered over Bliss. It was like it was like Andre the Giant yeah. was standing next to her. Like why why put Charlotte in heels? Why didn't you just say <laughs> because I assume she's in heels. Well, There's yeah, no but- way she would have been that tall. She was Alexa Bliss looked like a child. Yeah, well, Alexa Bliss is five foot tall. She is five feet of fury, mm. so she is quite small. You can bear in mind, my wife's five foot tall. Yeah. So, like, you and Charlotte's five ten. About think? the same. Yeah, it was about the same height as me. Yeah. And probably in that dynamic, I mean, you I don't wear heels. No, I do not wear heels. I, I but I do tower over my mm. wife. Um, it's so funny. There was a moment when we were first started dating, when we were having a. It was our very first Christmas together. And we had this photo taken. The two of us and I had my arms around her. She had her arms around me. So the photo, and like my wife, my then girlfriend, looked at the photo and was like, "God, I'm so much smaller than you." Mm. I was like, "Is it? Have you only just noticed now? We've known each other for like six years at this point. Have you only just noticed now?" Why was that sort of realization here? Wasn't yeah. it? Because Alexa Bliss and Charlotte have always been on different brands yes. on the main roster so far, and here they were. Yes, they have. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, both champions. Charlotte is, but is then infinitely they, taller. Didn't they have the Survivor Series match? 
probably. Yes, they did. It was Charlotte versus Alexa Bliss at Survivor Series. Oh, yeah, because they changed the... the... Oh, I can't Was it? That. No, it was Natalia. Was it? No, I, oh, thought, I, I, th- I thought Charlotte won the belt before Survivor Series. Isn't that got, let's, not, that, let's not get uh, drudged down in this, because I'm... Ric Flair came out, and they just had a woo-off. So <laughs> this was just for Ric Flair looking great after With... uh, a bad back end of last year. With awful mic issues. Mm. Uh, next up, APA. They're still playing poker. Natalia now is winning. Um, she's turned up along with like the Usos are back there, and so the New Day. And Dana Brooke is there with Titus Worldwide, being so good with numbers. She's like Heath, you've lost a lot of money. Yeah. So he's like, oh man, uh, I've got kids. Then we cut to the Manhattan Center. It's Bray Wyatt and Broken Matt Hardy. Woken Matt Hardy. Woken Matt Hardy. I've written here. <laughs> Bray comes out to cut a promo because like Bray Wyatt made his entrance mm. and I was like okay so here's Bray coming out to cut a promo maybe they're going to do like a, a Woken Hardy um, stare off and then they'll get into a brawl uh, and what have you and then no Woken Matt Hardy just came out and yeah. they had a match no no silliness no weird Woken skits it was just just, uh, just had a match two minutes of match five minutes of advert can I give you a theory uh, tell me. Well, okay, so I was thinking about this. Like, I forgot this happened on the show until mm. I was, like, kind of replaying it in my head while I was on the, the tube over here. And I was like, oh, God, yeah, there was that, that Matt Hardy-Bray Wyatt match. That was that was very weird because the match was nothing. Like, the match was a couple of moves and yeah. then um, Bray Wyatt won. And it was very, you know, it was a very decisive victory. Bray Wyatt just won. Mm. My theory is, and I'm not saying that this is correct, I'm not saying that this is absolute definitive Speculation. Proof. This is very much speculation. They're, they're done with Woken, Matt Hardy. And my rationale for this is that this feud has had build. Mm. You know, we've had weeks and weeks of them kind of cutting Skype call promos and things like that, and we've had some in-ring stuff. But this match didn't have any build. We never said, like, hey, we're going to have a match at Raw 25. They've never been... Didn't they? No, they've never said that they were going to have... They, they, as far as I'm a, I can remember, this match was un, this was an unannounced match. Mm. The only okay. time they've announced it was when they were going to do it over the 205 sure, Live Tour, yeah. which effectively is what they got at the Manhattan Centre, apparently, because they had quite a few Cruiserweight matches um, in between stuff. So this match was unannounced, uh, or at least it felt unannounced. And it was over in, you know, very quickly with a very decisive finish. But it was something in the match that made me think about it even more, mm. which is that at every single opportunity he could, Matt was doing the delete chance. And at the time, I remember thinking, like, God, Matt's doing that an awful lot. Like, that's re- He's only got two minutes. I was, like, I was like, he's doing that an awful lot, and he's doing it at every chance he can get. Mm. And, you know, you, just, you should let that thing sort of grow organically, let the crowd do it themselves, rather than you having to guide them into doing it. But after the match, I was like, oh, I think he was doing it at every opportunity. So he could go backstage and be like, did you see what happened every time mm. I did it? The crowd really got into it to try and show almost... It felt like he was trying to prove to the back that Delete is over and that his gimmick is over. It's, I mean, I am putting two and two together and getting five, yeah. but there, I think there is a lot in there that could be unboxed. Certainly, certainly could be the case. I, To me, it just looked like this is an overstuffed show. Uh, we can't... We also don't have time for you at the Royal Rumble because that's a pretty stacked show as well. But you could start the feud at the Royal Rumble. The feud started back in. Uh, I mean, November, but you build to the match. Like you could have yeah. started that, like with the two of them having the stare off. Like that's what it felt like. It this has been building to was their first, like you know, something with them at the Royal Rumble. I think this was to satisfy. It obviously didn't work, but to satisfy the Manhattan Center crowd, who were 
supposedly very angry with how little they got. Uh, the Woken Matt Hardy Bray Wyatt blow off. You think, oh, that's a smart thing. It's going to be to to the more passionate fans uh, in the Manhattan Center. Let's give it to them there. Didn't work. They didn't, didn't work because no. I mean this match was very unover. Yeah, uh, when Bray Wyatt came out, well, it was dark for so long, and I couldn't see anything. And I thought they didn't turn the lights off for Taker. I know that's how he used to come out. So I was, I kind of got in my head when the lights come back up. Are, are the Wyatt family going to be there? <laughs> Still clinging to it. You are clinging to it, man. And then I thought, oh, if that happens, when Woken Matt Hardy comes out, when the lights come back on, it can be Jeff Hardy and Senor Benjamin. And I, no, that's not going to happen. We just saw Jeff Hardy. No, but um, yeah, this was just, this was over. Uh, J.R. Mm. and King didn't really know what was going on, didn't really know the storyline going into it. But uh, J. Uh, King had a great line in there where he said, um, Matt Hardy's so crazy, he went to the dentist to get Bluetooth. Nice. Nice. Uh so uh, to to wash that away, we got women next. Yeah, all of the women from the past standing in a row. So uh, please welcome some of the greatest women's wrestlers in Raw history," said JoJo. We got Nikki and Brie Bella, Maurice Kelly Kelly, Lillian Garcia, Jacqueline, Tori Wilson. I've written here, Tori somehow looks younger. She she looks like a different person. Yeah, it was incredible. This absolutely- is Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> level of it was, it was absolutely incredible like mm. she just looked like she looks so young she's just work she's working out so she's a fitness she's model worked so hard great for that, man. Like, like well done for fitness congratulations really, to Tori Wilson really I good. thought she looked like she could be on the main roster now yeah she looked like she's um, great I mean, I mean she didn't want to be a wrestler anyway like when she was mm. in WCW the reason why she liked being in WCW was that she didn't have to be a wrestler and then they came over to WWF and they were like oh by the way you have to wrestle now like her and Stacey and they were like oh we don't really want to do that mm. but they had, she had to learn but great great stuff yeah great stuff from Tori Wilson Michelle McCool Terry Runnels Maria Canellis. Oh, I missed that entrance theme music so much I popped massively for it when she came out I was like wait She's actually on the roster. She's she's actually technically I know she's pregnant, but you know she could. She's a legend from the past, sure, but they have access to her now to do stuff on the main roster. Oh, what a great entrance theme! Mm, and Trish Stratus was the sort of it felt like a Hall of Fame class, didn't it? Yeah, uh, same with the Raw Authority figures earlier. And Trish very much learning from the last time she had a run in WWE when uh, fans like uh, this is what a lot of people say anyway that fans. She didn't get over in her last run because she was brunette. And fans don't remember her being a brunette. They remember her being blonde. Mm. This time she came back blonde, much bigger reaction. Yeah, I didn't know who she was before. No? Yeah, I need that blonde hair. But of course there are a few names. Sable, uh, she would have been there because her husband was there. Brock Mm. Lesnar. Yes. She still... (laughs) I know the sexual harassment stuff was... Squashed, I guess. So next we'll up, we had Elias walking backstage wearing a scarf, carrying a guitar. Sounds like gimmick infringement to me. He walked straight into Chris Jericho, who uh, Jericho was just great wearing his Alpha Club Alpha Club. T-shirt. He might have got the biggest pop of the night. Yeah, it was definitely up there. And Y2J goes to put him on the list. I guess I'm just kidding with you. I'm not going to put him on the list. And then he puts him on the list. That delivery of putting someone on the list. It was good. That's got to be one of the most over things of the last five years. It was great. It was yeah. really, really great. Wonderful little showing from Jericho. Because that felt like the list moment felt like an all-time, like a reference to an all-time classic raw thing. Yeah. And it was only last, last year. year, really, which yeah. is amazing. So Elias walked out, stay uh, outside to do a... 
song. Before we get to this, mm-hmm. I've, just, I've written a note here because they showed a video of um, Triple H and uh, a uh, Connor's Cure kid and Stephanie turning on the um, Empire State Building lights. Yes. And they showed this big sort of, you know, um, cityscape of New York with the Empire State Building standing tall and all the other tours, all the other buildings standing tall. And I've just written here, New York is the coolest place on earth. I I love New York. I want to go back there so bad. I want to live in New York. It's the coolest place. Ah, I just think it's the coolest place ever. Well, I want to walk with Elias. He's who's got that over. I think we can <laughs> safely sign off on that catchphrase. Crowd was super into that. Delete. Nah. Walk with Elias, everybody. Uh, so Elias did a little song. Uh, trashed the legends. Jimmy Fallon was sitting in the front row, so he trashed him as well, including The Rock. Yeah. There was a line against The Rock, and I thought, oh, was that, does that mean The Rock might come out next? No. Or there'll be a little pre-recorded message. No Rock. I thought that was a bit of a, a glaring absence. I was waiting for the Honky Tonk Man. Yeah. Yep, that could have happened as well. Uh, but instead of all those much better things, we got John Cena. Who was very unhappy that the, he didn't get a big reaction. Mm. Yeah, the crowd did. N- they were the the sort of smarter crowd who wanted to chant asshole again at John Cena. He was just like he just kept saying like where are you like he was making loads of gestures mm. of like where's where's all the noise where's the noise for me even like bad noise against me like there yeah. there was there was nothing it was like it was really loud at the start but then by the time you got to the ring it it very much tapered off and then yeah and then he cut a promo and then as soon as like he grabbed a mic and the crowd made a noise again it was like oh there you are mm. like oh there's the noise I've been waiting for I think he was trying because John Cena's very good at turning the crowd on his side throughout the course of a promo mm-hmm. I think he was just trying to get the crowd into more of a frenzy because they were starting to taper off now Mm. Uh, after a very good start it was you know oh nothing's happening really yeah pretty much and he um what did we get a return of here it wasn't that john cena wasn't the biggest return here really was it zombie beach ball game back bloody beach balls i'm so glad they squashed it quickly Mm. god well done security well it was a good through line uh elias said that brooklyn doesn't have balls and cena was like there they there they are right there the zombie beach ball yeah Great pop. Cesaro, that Cesaro beach ball feud was up there for the best of 2017. But then Cena sort of had a showdown with Elias, but Elias low-blowed him and bashed a guitar over his back. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I've written here, no taker feud then, but I guess you can do it after um, after mm. this feud with Elias is done. Well, that was always the plan, because Samoa Joe was going to feud with John Cena through to about March, and then Cena was going to transition into the Undertaker feud for the month before Mania. That was the reported plan, at least. But now Samoa Joe's unfortunately injured. He's going to mm. miss the Rumble. So it just looks like they've slotted Elias into that space, which is great for Elias. Um, I'm, I was, I was going to say, there are quite a few mid-carders that could have got over in feuds with um, John Cena, but actually feuding with Cena was more damaging to them. Sure, yeah. Bray Wyatt and Rusev being the first two that, that spring to mind. Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin's another one, yeah. But maybe Elias will come out okay. Yeah, uh, m- maybe. 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 I, I don't see it happening. I, I once, this, once the feud is over, Elias will be right back to doing what he was doing previously. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's just a shame, like, John Cena and Samoa Joe, that could have been a real hot program. Uh, then we go backstage, the APA are still playing poker, and Titus Worldwide now accuses Heath Slater of cheating. The New Day are there as well. The New Day are there too, uh, setting up a match, which is going to happen now, after Ted DiBiase wins, and Farouk awkwardly says, damn. Yep. Like, it's a, I, don't, I don't think it was a damn warranted situation. Well, of course it was. 
Ted DiBiase won, he had all the money to begin with. Mm. Oh, that man with money. But I, I always think of Farouk Dams as, this is weird. Why is everyone doing this? What a stupid situation. Damn. Oh, you do a really good damn. Oh, damn. There we go. Sorry. I, I didn't know you wanted an actual Ron yeah, Simmons damn. an actual damn. Oh, I'm not saying it was damn worthy. Okay. But that, that was, I, I guess, the reason they gave for, uh, for a damn. Uh, so before we got the match that that set up of Titus Worldwide versus Heath Slater and Rhino, there was actually quite a poignant moment <laughs> backstage. This made me laugh. Yeah, I so really enjoyed this. Mark Henry's walking along uh, in the corridor. Smiling as he is. Yeah. He's happy, smiley Mark Henry, Hall of Pain. And he bumps in to the Godfather. And they have a moment, you know, like we used to be... Uh, a team together. This is all good. Well, no, 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 he was talking about like he was. Hey, before he was Mark Henry, right? Yeah, he was sexual chocolates, and Mark's like, oh, come on, man, it was a long time ago, different person now. Thinking that the Godfather's trying to set him up with this hoe. Yeah, but as you've written here, as a hoe, but that that was not a hoe. It was a wife. <laughs> it was a wife, and it was so great as well because Mark was like, oh, hey, he's like, oh no. This is my wife. Yeah. <laughs> I, I loved it. I thought it was really funny. And then Godfather just, you know, strutted off. off. Oh, I, great. I just thought, like, as a character arc for the Godfather, yeah. who was just a nymphomaniac, he really exploited women no, for a long no, time. No, no, no. He wasn't a nymphomaniac. He sold women. Sure, he was sure. He never slept with the hoes. He just sold them to people. Well, he he exploited women for so long, and now he's he's found one that he can settle down with. Oh, and have his... And that... You know, corrects everything that he did in the past. But lovely, it's beautiful story. What a, what a lovely man he was. What a, what an over baby face yeah. this man who sold women was. Yes. Uh, next up was the Titus Worldwide versus Rhino and Heath Slater match. It was nothing. It was just it quickly became a brawl, and the referee called it off. Mm -hmm. So the Dudley Boys came out, and Titus Worldwide and his own partner Rhino sacrificed Heath Slater, rolled him into the ring. So the Dudleys could put him through a table. Crowd just wanted to see a 3D. <laughs> Dudleys did the was up spot instead, and um, I, I think that kind of like killed. Build to the table. Well, I know, but people, well, no, people didn't want the table. They wanted the 3D because because okay. Slater was getting into the ring and the crowd were going like 3D, but they didn't get that. So I think that kind of like killed the momentum a little bit. Then they did the 3D through the table, and that kind of picked them back up again. Yes, yeah, it, so it, it it was what it was. It's just I this this was fine. That you're right. It was what it was. But combined with the DX angle that happened later, I just thought they were they're a bit too similar, and one of them sacrificed a very promising team. Well, yeah, I mean, especially considering all the great stuff that uh, Bully Ray's been doing in Ring of Honor. But hey, Luke, speaking of great teams, I mean, the Dudley Boys are one of the greatest <laughs> teams of all time. Speaking, Speaking of, of great, great, here's AJ Styles. Oh, oh my god. Get I... in there, Charlie. <laughs> what a script. I laughed so much at this. I watched it a couple of times. It was so funny. Yeah. Oh my god, it was just it was just perfectly rubbish delivery, coupled with perfectly rubbish writing. Oh, I wrote it down verbatim. Yeah. I loved it that much. She is dead inside when she <laughs> delivers the line. It's like, you can watch the exact moment the heart breaks. <laughs> Speaking of great. Yeah. Oh, it was great. It was like a Wrestle Talk News episode. I thought nothing could dislodge the affection in my heart for Kurt Angle's line about the trucks last year. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of great. Is she? I mean, she's... I would... Any given a week, I would say she's so much better than Dasha on SmackDown. But... Mm. 
this here, coupled with Dasher last week, I don't know, man. I'm kind of going back and forth now. I imagine they'd be pretty good if they were allowed to be themselves more. Charlie, Charlie of... for sure can be. Yeah. So uh, I've actually written down Dasher in my notes. <laughs> I had to. I was like, was it Dasher? <laughs> and then I had to go back and watch it. And I was like, is it? Da-? And I got up pictures of them. It's Charlie. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's Charlie, despite having Google images of everyone and the picture. Is it Charlie? Okay, I I always I'll read know. some recap notes. It's as well. funny because I always know it's Charlie, but I never know it's Dasher. Weird. It's weird because like anytime Charlie comes on the screen, I'm like Charlie Caruso, and mm. I know that's Charlie. But when Dasher comes on the screen, I instantly write Charlie, and they go, "No, wait, no, that's Dasher." Mm. I'm like that with Mike Rome. I think he's Charlie as well. Yeah, they're all Charlie, generic Charlies. What about Todd Phillips? Tom. Oh, Todd. Yes. <laughs> Todd. <laughs> So uh, that that was Dasher's. So that was Charlie's smooth transition into. Speaking of transitions, introducing AJ, uh, and AJ, I thought rightfully said, "Sod off," because <laughs> Mean Gene Oakland is right there. Oh, like just, it's like get out of here. You're awful at this. Let's bring. But then poor old Mean Gene had to do scripted lines. Yeah, and it came off really stilted. It's I, a, it's not their fault. Mm, I I've read a few reviews where people are like. Ah, oh, Mean Gene Oakland came back and he, you know, like immediately showed the current uh, backstage interviewers what it should be. And I thought, I mean, I like seeing Mean Gene Oakland. I love his voice. But he just asked one scripted question. And the great thing about Mean Gene was that he would sort of have a proper conversation, right? Yeah. That didn't happen. No. He just said his question and then stood there and listened to everything AJ had to say, which was trying to make Cammy happen, which isn't, oh, yeah. isn't good. So... On that, like, you saw a lot of reviews that said that Mean Gene kind of showed everyone up. Do you know what I feel that is? I feel people wrote that note down before it happened. Sure, yeah. Because I would have written that note down. Because as soon as Mean Gene came in, I was like, Mean Gene's going to show everyone up here. He's going to show how great he is. Write that note down. And then you forget to delete it. Yes. And then you post it. Uh, so next up, we had another return in A Night of Returns. <laughs> At the Manhattan Center, first Shawn Michaels and Triple H came out and they did the full DX with glow sticks and they're like thanking fans after Shawn Michaels started to do a little joke thing about, you know, 25 years, man, God, all these memories, uh, like like the one with the sausages and Triple H, whoa, 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 and he kept on doing stuff like that and Shawn Michaels had quite the funny line of, uh, you know, I used to be the boss, but now you're the boss of everything yeah, to Triple H. so funny. I really enjoyed that. Uh, but... The, the crowd seemed to be a bit restless and Triple H went into overly thanking mode, uh, which was, I didn't think played that well. Uh, he thanked Rick Rude. I he thanked yeah, China. I think by this point, I mean, this is where the Manhattan Center realised that this is what we're, this is mm. the last thing we're going to get and we have probably been screwed out of this. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure I heard this. When Triple H said China, did Jerry Lawler go, wow, uh, I don't recall that. No, oh, I, I, I can't confirm that. But I, yeah, I thought I heard that. But it was nice to get a, a mention of China, which sure. I, I think, aside from when she died, is the first time they've mentioned mm-hmm. her on commentary in a long time. Because I'm pretty, I mean, I don't think they mentioned her at Raw 1000. It's been a long time since China's name has been said on WWE TV and obviously the Austin podcast. Hunter's going to get back home and Stephanie's going to be like, what do you say? You say back home. They, they work together. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and the New Age Outlaws came out next doing their always lovely 
uh, intro spiel yep. with Road Dog, and then Expert came out, who got like a real nice reaction. He was his was the like most genuine of the five. I felt. Yeah. And he got in because he was you know that that Razor Ramon match. Uh, on Raw when he was one two three kid is is such like a a huge part of Raw history and everyone was chanting one two three rather than X Puck. I I I really liked that. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. And then uh, then they were like, well, it can't be a Raw reunion without Scott Hall or Razor Ramon or the bad guy, or whatever they said. And out came Razor Ramon. He certainly did. Cut to commercial. <laughs> yep, they. I mean, they've got to get a commercial in there somewhere, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, he came out, and I um. It's nice to see Razor. He looked great. Yeah, he, he just looks so good. Just so happy to see uh, Scott Hall back in this shape. And he he said, uh, "Raw Raw twenty five is too, too sweet. sweet," which brought out the Ballad Club. And then the Ballad Club came in, and they all did the Too Sweet together. And then I was just uh, around about this point. I was just like, "This is the longest single segment on the show so far, or at least it feels like." And it's also the one that involves Triple H yep. and this whole. And, you know, it was like what we said earlier about DX. Like, I don't feel like they warrant this much attention in the 25th anniversary celebrations. Sure, definitely give them a segment. But don't make them go, like, at the end of the show was pretty much the main, main event. Uh, and have a match attached to it and all this posing. Yeah, I thought it was uh, very indulgent. A, a Triple H segment that's indulgent, yeah. Ollie. But, I mean, pray tell. Uh, so... One uh, Ballad Club came out. This brought out the revival afterwards. They were scheduled to do. Well, they, a they first match. they first did like the they all did a two sweets yes. uh, together, and then Billy Gunn was going to do there. And if you're not down with that, I feel like this. I mean, it was lovely to see Scott Hall there, and it's a real shame that we couldn't have Kevin Nash there either, because it would have been much. I, I felt like it would have been really awesome to you if you'd have had DX, the NWO, mm. and the Ballad Club kind of all doing this this two sweets uh, gimmick. But um, yeah, I mean, you only had Scott Hall there because Kevin Nash couldn't make it for travel reasons. He's too mm. tall to get on planes. As, as I think that was his reason for not being there. Um, but yeah, and then the revival came out to um, well to get killed. But I mean, yeah. they they said that they've got a match here with Gallus and Anderson, but really it was so they could get killed. Yeah, so it was a very short match. Gallanderson won uh, with a magic killer pretty quickly. And then they were all celebrating the baby faces. Hilarious part from uh, Jerry and Jim, mm -hmm. where they didn't know what Gallows and Anderson's finisher was. So they hit it, and then Jerry was like, is this it? And then they and then they counted the pin, and Jerry was like, oh, that was it. Mm. That was the finish. Uh, so the baby faces are celebrating, and the revival are like, hey, buddies, <laughs> we're not done with you. Completely misreading the numbers game here. <laughs> and... Everyone hit finishes on the revival, sort of paying off what happened the previous week when the revival said, uh, you know, we hate DX, all these guys ruin the business, we're solid 80s wrestlers. Wonderful sell job by mm. the revival. You, uh, and yeah, okay, so. The rub. <laughs> okay. Are we going to talk about the rub? Well, yeah, I mean, this is, not, this is not a rub. But do you think this segment killed the revival? No, no, it didn't kill them, but it did not do them any favours and has, has knocked them very far down in uh, sort of my mental rankings. I, I see, I disagree, because this will be forgotten about by next week. It's a segment on a nostalgia show, and you need to have a tag team in this position. And the bar... the bar... The Revival are a heel tag team, mm. so you need to have a, a tag team like that into this position. You set it up last week, this was the payoff. Come next week, we just no, we act like nothing ever happened, and we just sort of move on with our lives. Mr. Raj. 
would have been good. Yeah, but they were involved with The Miz. So you're right. Someone like Miz Siraj would have been much better. But it, I don't think this hurts the revival. No one will remember this come next week. Um, I, I don't have as much confidence. I, I think it will you know, subconsciously make people devalue the revival. I think it's great for Ballot Club. And, and you know, that's the team you're pushing, really. So, you know, well done for that. But... Uh, the, uh, I mean, to counter-argue that, when DX did Raw 1000, they were interrupted by Damien Sandow. Mm. And they did this spiel, this spiel here where they all hit finishes on him and Damien Sandow. But, like, that didn't hurt Damien Sandow. Uh, what, it wasn't that segment that had Damien Sandow. It was the booking of him. That, and actually, Damien Sandow was most over a couple of years later. Well, I'm, it's not like I'm saying it's a step. Like this will be the first step. Well, it's not the first step, but it's a step in the. If you look at WWE's track record of the eventual losing interest in a team, like it happened with the Ascension, as Dave Meltzer pointed out, it happened. You know, to an extent with Heath Slater. Heath Slater was a pretty over villain after the Nexus stuff, and then he did all the stuff about being killed by legends, and that that's solidified him as yeah. a certain level i just don't if you really want to push a team and make them good what you shouldn't do this like you you can defend wwe and say well this is their thinking but you can't agree with their thinking no i don't agree with that and i said yeah. like the misraj would be a much better team in this position my point i'm saying is that this segment isn't what's going to hurt the revival it's the subsequent booking that will hurt the revival because if you now book the revival to be complete chumps, mm. then yeah, then like that—that's what will eventually kill them. It's not this segment. If next week you just book them to be like chumps again, and then the following do the same thing, the following do the same thing, then that's that's what's hurt them. I disagree. I think you know you had a push, like they were being built up for a bit. But they, they had haven't squash, had a push. They had a few squash matches. They had, had one squash match. They've had two or three squash matches since they came back in December, and this was you know obviously building up to this. And now they go down again. And then you build them up and then they go down well, again. No, You've I, seen I, it so many times. Well, no, I disagree. And there's only so many ups and downs you can take. I disagree because those... Paired with all the time out from injury. Those pushes weren't designed for this thing. Those pushes were just to put them on TV. Like, they haven't been building the revival for anything. It's not like they've been building the revival to be world title contenders and then booked them in this segment. They've booked them to be, here are two lads that are on, are on the roster. And they are at this very much bottom level. And then they got beat up by DX. So they haven't been building them up. Mm. So there's been no ascent. There's just only been a steady... Just going straight. So after the few squash matches and the squash match last week and the in-ring promo, if the Revival were, the, were to then this week take out some legends, would you? Why, why is that not a continuation of an ascent? Well, no, because they, they've been going straight and then they've started an ascent. Mm. Well, I disagree with you. Royal Rumble go home angle was the last thing on the show, which was, it was disappointing. Well, it, it, it certainly happened. Mm. So it was a weird. This one. this feud sucks. Mm. This feud sucks, man. It was it was just a weird thing to end on. Yeah, really it was, weird. It was really weirdly structured because Kurt Angle came out with, uh, and you're like, oh, okay, you're paying off on all the cameos you've set up throughout the night. To be honest, I don't know what Brother Love can do as a lumberjack in this situation, but fine, bring him out. That's kind of cool. So Cat Angle comes out and he's got loads of mid-carders uh, and you've got like New Day and the Usos. Elias really shouldn't have been there. Um, and uh, lots of the people, like Boogeyman was there looking like ripped uh, and Brother Love, as I mentioned. So they all come out and all the active wrestlers kind of create a line down the middle of the ring to separate Kane and Braun Strowman when they come out. So they're on opposite sides. And Kurt's saying, 
uh, yeah, this is you know this is the main event thing, and you shouldn't touch each other. Yeah, I, okay. Effect. So I don't know why Kurt brought them all out. Mm. Like there was no point to this segment. Kurt Angle as a GM didn't be like we're coming out here for a contract signing. We he didn't say we're coming out here for us to, for you to all cut promos on each other. He just brought them all out to the ring and then was surprised they all fought each other. It was like, well, you gave them no purpose yeah. to be there. But Braun came out and he got a fairly good reaction. But like, man, the lack of reaction for Kane was mm. just, it, it really, it's so upsetting considering that he's meant to be in this, this main event feud and he's meant to be pushed like a main eventer and the, the crowd just aren't buying into it. And then he was treated like an absolute yeah. chump in this segment. So Heyman came out next. Oh, my God, and he was great. And I, yeah, yeah, very good. And he said... You know, he's not here for for a nostalgia trip. Brock Lesnar is here for a fight. Bum, 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 bum. And Brock comes out. And I guess the deal was, you know, all the mid-carders are there to act as the, the security. But as soon as you see an angry Brock, everyone scatters. That's a good idea on paper. I don't felt like I don't feel like it translated well in practice. Though. No. And then it, he kind of knocked out Strowman and then he got in the ring and F5'd Kane and, yeah. and that was the end of Kane. Yeah, he didn't even do a sit-up. I was like, well, Kane's going to sit up. Yeah. Nothing. I, I was waiting for Kane to, like, when Brock or Braun was celebrating, for um, Kane to attack him. Mm. And, like, Kane stood tall at the end of the show. That's what I was waiting for. So he's taking the pin at the Rumble. So he's taking the yeah. pin at the Rumble, yeah. But no, like, it was nothing and then mm. Braun and Braun got back into the ring and threw uh, Brock into the barricade and then put him through a table and which looked great which looked great I love a running power slam but, but that was it yeah yeah it was uh, there wasn't anything to it and I guess you see there was that Kane and Brock Lesnar pull apart brawl from several weeks ago which, which was again like nothing really lackluster and we all rightfully criticised it but I think you know now Although it is quite overdone, if you're going to do the big pull-apart brawl, why not have it here? Because you've got all the stars, all the legends, all the mid-carders, and it's your hot go-home angle. You can have like a proper absolute chaos, and that's your go-home angle for the Royal Rumble. Uh, but instead, it wasn't that. And I just felt like they didn't get over how angry Lesnar and Kane should be after the Braun Strowman pulling over the lighting rig thing. With the grappling hook. Yeah, with the grappling hook. I felt like that was completely ignored. I Yeah, this was a very poor go-home angle for a feud that WWE genuinely seem uninterested in. Mm. This, this really is a stopgap feud until they get to WrestleMania. It's, so why not have this earlier in the night and have a Royal Rumble... Uh, go home angle where all the people who have been entered are in there and they sort of do the you know everyone's chucked over the top rope thing and you get that final shot I don't know man uh, yeah it was weird it was like, so weird weirdly structured show uh, too too much way too much uh, throwaway nostalgia for my liking it felt like it wasn't canon there was nothing really to progress storylines I guess you got the Elias and Cena thing and yet he's still annoyed about the revival yeah. it's, not, it's not canon but he's still annoyed well it's, it's... lucky canon uh, the and it was just to, to have all of those things within the first hour and a bit, which I'm fine with, but have save some stuff for later on in the show. It was a really odd show. Like, I, I'm not disappointed in the show mm. because I'll be honest, it was more or less what I was expecting it to be, which was a nostalgia show. Every single segment was just like a, hey, here's a nostalgia thing, with the exception of the women's match, which was, I think, might be the only thing that didn't have, and uh, Matt and Bray. Might be the only two things on the card that didn't have anything nostalgia related. Mm. Oh, Miz and Roman, I suppose. Cena and Elias? 
Would he care? Yeah, but I've seen him was treated like a nostalgia act. Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe it was like those three things aside, everything else was just a nostalgia piece. So, yeah, that's kind of what I was expecting out of the show. So from that perspective, I'm not disappointed because mm. it delivered exactly what I was expecting it to. But it wasn't a great show. And what would you give it? Because I, I obviously gave my raw review of, of poor. A poor? Wow. Yeah, well, I was going to go average. Like, at the start, I was thinking this is an in awe show, and it just kept on getting lower. And then I was core for a while, and I thought, well, really? It... Well, there was nothing core about the show, yeah, apart from I... the opening segment. Yeah, so then I thought, like, maybe it's average. And then I thought, the more I thought about it, it was like, this is the 25th anniversary. It's a go-home show. What the hell? So I was like, no, it's it's a... I have to, like, put it as a poor. I think this show should have happened two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Because if you were just going to do nothing but nostalgia stuff, do that as a two... Two weeks ago on Raw actually would have helped the, the build to the, the yeah. Universal Triple Threat match and the Royal Rumble because they wouldn't they don't play second fiddle to it. And then you had this show as your full-on go-home show for the Royal Rumble. As it was, it was just a really weird episode of Raw which was all about nostalgia, nothing about the Rumble. And now we got a rumble this coming Sunday, and and they're like, oh, by the way, buy the WWE Network and watch the Royal Rumble. But yes, you've had some time to think. Um, yeah, kind of low average. I don't. Know, average. I, I don't think I would give the show poor mm. because it was what I was expecting it to be. So mm. I think it, it's an average show, mostly saved by that opening segment. What about like as a go home show? Oh, as a go home show, it's dreadful. So, but this wasn't a go home show. This was a nostalgia show. Okay. Are you ready to admit you are wrong about the revival? No. <laughs> I ca- I'm just so surprised that you have come down on this. Because, like, who is more pro-NXT, pro-revival than Luke Owens? Right here. This guy right here. Luke Owens. Luke Owens. Loves <laughs> NXT. And here I am, fighting the good fight, and you're like, oh, it's all good, man. I'm not saying it's all good, man. I'm just saying that like everyone's going to forget this come next week or come two weeks' time. No one will look at the revival and be like, oh, yeah, but they were jobbed out to uh, DX, though, weren't they? I know. Sometimes it's weird how sometimes uh, we, we'll, we're, like, fundamentally we're agreeing with each other. But on the surface, one of us is trying to explain WWE's actions while the other one is just so appalled by WWE's actions they don't want to listen to the explanation we're, we are Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer sure because I feel like this is what Dave does sometimes when yeah, they do the but that's what they you know that's what WWE do exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's that's the wrestling observer way is that Brian Alvarez would be like come on these geeks over here mm. treated like geeks what nerds and then Dave will just go yeah but you know it's, it's what WWE does yeah he's a man who's been beaten down over the years well that's it like but who I think Whoever takes the WWE explaining side from is now on... Is going to be wrong. It's going to be perceived as wrong. Is the Vichy government. That's where we got their collaborators. Yeah. With Emily. That's where we've got to start calling them. So do you want to hear about my Potter trip? I would love to hear about your Harry Potter trip. A Harry Potter trip that I took some heat for from YouTube comments mm. because I made a bit of a... I made a joke about it in the news saying that you were going to see uh, wizards and other lame stuff. And a lot of people did not pick up on the joke and my joke way of, of presenting that joke and thought I was being serious. I think it's quite clear that you are quite obviously a geeky man oh, I mean, geek I, sensibilities. I played Dungeons and Dragons yeah. for God's sake. But people, maybe they were in on the joke too. I don't think and they And they're, they're just ribbing, ribbing us back. I don't think they were. So, I mean... I One don't... guy actively said, I used to like you. Oh, what, big, big Potter fan. So I... 
the, the Harry Potter experience is. I don't. I don't actually have any anecdotes. It's, do you know where that is? Because it's just good. Well, oh, actually, I was going to say, do you know where that is? Because I've also been. Yeah. I've. Uh, it's my second time. Is it really? Well, I went not really as a Potter fan. Always a fan of the books, but I thought for the longest time that the the films were just nonsense. Like w, It's like the books are New Japan and the films are WWE, right? And uh, then I, I rewatched all the films over Christmas. <laughs> like the first two are what they are. But from, you know, Azkaban's interesting, but then from number four, Goblet, Goblet of, Fire. of Fire. Really, really good. Mm. Uh, but not like proper good, but, but very, very investing. Yeah, yeah. no, I, well, I, I very much agree. I was not a Potter fan. Uh, I was too old when the books came out, so I I read the first two. That's right, I read the first two. Second one, I didn't really pay much attention to. I was just reading it to to get mm. through it, and then the third one, I started reading, and I was like, I think this is going to follow a very similar pattern here. Oh, there's a new teacher that's come in to replace the old teacher that used to be a that was a bad guy. Yeah. Pretty sure I can see where this is all going now, and I just kind of left the book series and be like oh, i'm done with that now my parents read them because they're weird but i i, I didn't really get on with it films i, I you're, first, you're right the first two are what they are thought the third i thought the third one's great i think mm. azkaban's great i haven't seen it in since it came out but I, I thought it was awesome um loved goblet of fire and then i thought pretty much everything else was mm, it's fine mm. like i thought order of the phoenix is mm, it's fine and i thought the sixth one uh, the american pie one where they're all just trying to get laid half-blood prince it's that film is basically Harry Potter wants to get laid, and in the last half hour they're like, "Oh yeah, we need to talk about Half Blood Prince." Mm. Um, oh, it's Snape, and then they move on. It's the you'll bull man. Yeah, and then uh, and then like the the last two uh, fine. Half Blood Prince is really good. I would go back and watch that. It's an, watch it's that. American Pie. Like it's it's the one actually I've seen the most because my ex girlfriend loved it. She thought it was really funny, so she used to watch it a lot because mm. she was a massive Harry Potter fan. My wife is a massive Harry Potter fan. She loves it. She mm. like, she was a big fan of the books. She was one of those nerds that used to uh, queue up for midnight book launches and things like that and like read it on the, the, the car ride home and then have it read within the first four hours of it being released. That is motion sickness for me. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say, that. you can't do it. I think Harry Potter is the only book she can read in the car because she also gets very bad motion mm. sickness. Um, but I got her tickets to go to the Harry Potter studio tour for our very first Christmas mm. that we had together. And I thought that the things it's fine. Like it's it's When it, did you go? Was was Hogwarts was there the Hogwarts Express there? No, it was Was the Forbidden Forest there? It was before both of those, yeah. I think. I think when we it's went step up. When we went it was um around Halloween because there were um I'm gonna say Death Eaters? Oh, creepy. Yeah. Are they the people with, like, the, the masks? So what, the... You mean Voldemort's uh, sort of hench people? Yeah. They're not Death... Yeah, they're Death Eaters. They're Death Eaters? Yeah, because the other ones are Dementors. They're, okay, yeah. right, yeah, yeah, cool. So they had, like, them walking around, and, and they had um, the, the snake, Nigiri, or whatever his name mm-hmm. was. Nigel. Nigel. Is it Nigiri? Is that right? It's Nig- Nigiri, yeah. Is well, it really? Well played, man. I thought it was... Um, I, I said that thinking, like, I'm pretty sure that's Japanese food. It's Randy Orton. The Viper. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> didn't even give me a sympathy laugh. <laughs> that's because I, oh, right. I didn't understand the joke. And then it wasn't uh, funny. So the, I, I thought it was broadly fine. Well, you see, I've been, I went before, not as a Potter fan, really. and Because uh, it it's all focused on the movies. And yeah, I, I was similar. I was like, meh. But hey, going back... 
I, I was beside myself. I was there. So there's a bit, I won't go into it because it is quite, I hate to use this word, but there aren't many things to describe it. It's magical. There's a magical bit. There's a magical bit right at the start. You know the bit I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the thing. With the thing. And the, the, the entry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that happened. And uh, this was a, a present for my lady partner for Christmas. That's why we went. And yeah, I was, I was fighting back excitement, childlike tears when uh, that particular bit happened. Especially because you were the youngest person there. Uh, well, there were two children, but then it was mostly old people. Yes, like me. because Harry Potter has not created an audience. Yes. Uh, I, I disagree with that. It's created an audience that are just growing up. They haven't, crea- they haven't created an audience that like replicates every year like Star Wars has. Mm. Well, or comic know, books have. Fantastic beats and where to find them, man. No it's one be went to go see it. Thirty-year-olds went to go see it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the, the most the most uh, stupid thing I did was really go for it on the green screen broomsticks, which I've yet to see. You, you yeah. tried to show me earlier, but our wouldn't internet load. no, it wouldn't load. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. They were eye watering, eye wateringly expensive. <laughs> that procedure. I remember because I did do. Quid. Oh, oh man, I remember because I was thinking about this. I was like, I don't think we did the. Uh, That's three hundred dollars as well, by the way, US folks. I, I was looking. I was like, I don't think we did the broomstick thing. Maybe it was too expensive. Uh, we did do the wand training thing where you yes, fight, you fight against like holograms. Yeah, we do like holograms and stuff like that. I was pretty special at that mm-hmm. one. Um, and did you try the butter beer? Yeah, we tried a butter beer. It was. Fine. Yeah, it's not very nice. I it's it's a, worth it to keep the cup, though. I had a cheese sandwich that sucked all the moisture out of my body. <laughs> it was like a a, de- a Dementor's kiss or whatever it's called. Yeah, 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 man. Um, so I'm I'm glad you had a, a good time. I loved though. it. I really my, loved it. My wife uh, will always tell the story that she, uh, I believe, she cried or became very close to crying. Uh, right at the end of the tour, when mm. you walk around the big and there's yet yeah, the thing, the thing. Well, the, yeah. the big thing. So, and because like the the thing is playing over the PA system, yeah. Um, my wife used the exact same thing, which was it was so magical. Mm. Well, uh, the first time I went, when you, it's near the end. This particular thing won't say it because the reveal is so spectacular. And uh, it's fine. I I went with my old work, and the guy who went in before me was one of the most overtly homosexual people in the office, and he he walked round, and I just heard, "Oh my god!" like that. I was like, what is this now? Because everyone had been going, oh my God, everything. And I walked around and I just pretty much echoed, oh my God. <laughs> I just looked at this incredible thing. Wow. I've had this twice now where I've gone to um, a dedicated museum to something mm. and have described it as like, that's broadly fine. Like, what was the other one? The Doctor Who uh, museum that's outside <laughs> I like of, that as well in Cardiff. Yeah, the Cardiff one. When yeah. you go through the, the Weeping Angels bit. Well, the Weeping Angels bit, that was cool. That was cool. But I had to I had to essentially play parents during that because I was there mm. on a stag do and we'd all got a little bit... Lads. Ra- got a bit, oh, lads, indeed. All got a bit rowdy on mm. the train with some drinking and then two of my friends got very, very excited and very sweary Ooh. while walking around. And I was like... I swearing around kids. And that's what I was. I was like, guys, there are children yeah. here. And I was like, not only are there children here, there are people who actively want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm a big doctor. I used to watch i forgot you were a doctor yeah, so when i was a kid because it wasn't on telly when i was a kid but my neighbor my old neighbor had recorded all of them on vhs and i would watch those mm. 
Sebastian but, uh, McCoy's my boy. But it wasn't so much the actual, the experience I thought was quite cool, mm. but it was the museum bit afterwards. That oh, I love this, seeing all the old Dalek designs and the Cybermen. It doesn't really feel like a museum, though. It feels just like walking into a very sparse warehouse. Yeah, it's quite sparse. <laughs> There's not enough stuff to fill the space they have. So let's get out of here with some iTunes reviews. Uh, fine, I'll pick another, which sounds familiar. Maybe we've done this one. Nothing better, they write. As a person that grew up loving wrestling alone, there is nothing better than having these two. Luke and Dolly have uh, such a way of doing the podcast where you feel like you're there. It makes me sad that I can't donate on Patreon. These two guys are funny and do know what they're talking. So you should listen to this pod. So should you listen to this podcast? Yes. Yes, yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Does that sound familiar? That does sound familiar as well. Who's this guy? Especially because that was done in September. Mm. Mm. Colin from New York sounds familiar. Oh, it was because we then we talked about how great New York is. Uh, Truth to Kid sounds familiar. Lawn Forever. Hooligar Book sounds familiar. Oh, no. We've done very bad oh, here. Some people are getting repeated reviews. Yeah. This one. We switched from UK to US. Definitely haven't done this one. Okay. Sarah. Uh, this is her. This is her, um, her username. Sarah. Rock Horns Emoji. Uh, crescent moon emoji some kind of flag it looks like the french flag with a bit in the middle like a, a sea serpent dragon emoji and top hat emoji wow that is quite uh yeah that, that's something right there five stars clearly aren't enough absolutely love the podcast first started watching on youtube and i was initially hesitant about subscribing on itunes since i already subscribed to 10 other wrestling podcasts and they quickly eat away at the storage on my phone took the plunge a few weeks ago by subscribing and so glad i have ollie and luke are too entertaining and not too entertaining <laughs> stop it calm down ollie and luke too entertaining and knowledgeable wrestling fans oh are uh, two, two the number two, two yeah but it was spelled as T-W-O. <laughs> these two are just too entertaining give it a rest guys <laughs> the show feels like listening to two spelled correctly this time old friends chatting about wrestling and it's really nice also love the extra rambling we only get here on itunes in short this show is just too swaft thank you very much sarah thank you sarah several emojis sorted emojis yeah so, yeah, we will be back on, uh, well, to tomorrow with a tomorrow. SmackDown review. Yeah, God, are we still going to do, like, a Raw review? No, no, I don't think it's worth it. We'll do SmackDown and then we'll do a little Who Was Better at the end. Oh, yeah, which sense. is probably Smack. I mean, SmackDown's going to have to. Uh, I mean, it's, a, it's, a your, it's your friend always say, it's an open goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Suicide Squad. It's an open <laughs> goal, man. It's an open goal, man. Just tap it in. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, so, uh, yes, but then we'll be back on Friday for Patreon people uh, with the Royal Rumble prediction. Actually, no, for everyone. Yes. We're going to put it up for everyone on Friday. Uh, Royal Rumble predictions, including, hopefully, our lady partner predictions. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to poll my wife this evening. Mm, I bet uh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you on tomorrow. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena, 16-time WWE champ, saying support WrestleTalk, because they talk about wrestling, and I like it. So do us all a favor and subscribe, please. And thank you.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.